morning. Welcome to Porterfield Baptist Church. We're all about loving and leading people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you glad to be here today? I hope you are. I hope you are. We look forward to a wonderful day together. I just want to let you know uh, we're trying something a little bit different here. You may or may not be receiving a text right around this time um, from the church. Uh, we're changing up the communication card process a little bit because we want to uh, be able to uh, get the information we need to help you connect with the church and uh, stay on top of prayer requests and get you connected into a ministry and just take steps. So uh, you, you'll get a text that says if you're here, you might want to click and fill out the communication card that way. And it's not just for new, new people either, guys. I just want to let you know, if you've come coming here a long time, uh, it's still good to, to fill that out and send it on over. Or, of course, you can still fill out using this little bad boy right here. So one way or the other, we'll, we'll communicate. It's a new year. We'll, we'll up our communication level, right? People aren't excited about that. It's okay. It's okay. But you know what I'm excited about? We got a new song this morning. Are you ready? All right. Hey, let's stand, would you please? <laughs> Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Jesus is not surprised when we fall away, when we have issues, even if we bring those issues on ourselves. He's there. He offers us freedom, forgiveness. We just come out of the darkness and come right to Him. And He offers us the freedom of grace through Jesus Christ. Amen. Step out of the shadows. Step out of the grave. Break into the wild. And don't
thank you for your love for us. Lord, your grace and mercy, you ask us just to come to you right as we are. And Lord, you don't leave us there. You pick us up. You call us your child. You take us into your arms. And Lord, you, you carry us into the next day. And every day is a new chance to do it, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for that. Amen. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love. Thank you for inviting us into your family, birthing us into your kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ, through his life, death, and resurrection. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us another day of life, giving us another year, uh, giving us promises, Lord, uh, for all eternity. 
Lord, uh, you know the needs of each person gathered here today and listening, uh, whether it's online or at whatever place and moment they're in. I thank you for your sovereign will, your sovereign knowledge, your sovereign care. There are so many people, Lord, who are ill, who need a healing touch from you. And so, Lord, we just join with them and with others, and we pray and ask for your healing touch in our lives, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Lord, help us to follow you in the way that you want. Help us, Lord, to be willing to let go of the things that hold us back so that we can more fully embrace you, even as we look at moving and embracing this new year. We know there's going to be challenges, and we know there's going to be difficulty, but we also know there's going to be joy in the journey, and there's going to be strength and help and healing and power that comes from you. So, Lord, today now as we worship you in this time, uh, prepare our minds to receive what you want to speak to us, and more importantly, even that our minds open our soul, our souls up to your Holy Spirit that will receive all that you want to give us, all that you offer us. Help us, Lord, as we worship you now through the giving of our tithes and our offerings and financially. That's a way that we say thank you to your work in our lives, and we want to be part of your kingdom work in the world. So take these funds and multiply and bless them, use them, that your ministry will continue in very tangible ways. And uh, Lord, also help us to recommit ourselves to serving you and doing work in your kingdom and, and for your cause, for the, for the good of the world and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
wonderful times and sometimes go through struggle times and Lord in all of those times you are worthy of praise you're faithful to us and you provide for us Lord we thank you for this time together and to speak to us now through your word that our lives will be changed amen you can be seated in his last instructions recorded in his second letter and really the final one that we have in the record of the New Testament the Apostle Peter makes this statement. He says, and it's found in 2 Peter, by the way, uh, chapter 3, verse 18. He says this, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if the apostles ever made New Year's resolutions. I don't know, you know, if they were into all that back then and coming of each year. But there were certainly some things they were resolved to do. And so what I'd like to suggest to you today is this is a very simple statement that if you haven't yet made any resolutions for 2020 or you want to maybe add one more to the list, it would be this. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It really is a pretty simple one, but it's a very profound one. It's a one that can be measurable, and it is attainable, because from whatever level you're at now, you can always grow in that understanding of both of those things. The reason I believe that Peter concluded his letter that we have still to this day in, in that way was because Peter had spent his whole life learning and growing in the grace of Christ and his understanding of the knowledge of Jesus and who he is. And so I want to take just a few moments today to kind of highlight, review some of the things in the Apostle Peter's life that we have recorded in the Scripture where we can see what he learned about growing in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. And the very first time we see in the Scriptures where uh, Peter experienced the grace of Christ again for the very first time is found in Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. And by the way, again today, we're trying to do this more often if you'd like to follow along, uh, if you're a technical person, if you have a tablet or, or a phone, a digital device, um, you can download the Bible app, Version Bible app. And today, while this message is going on, if you go to that app and you go to the events in the menu section, you'll see the location porter field. And the event is the morning message. 
and we've got all the slides. Um, I've, I've got the, a lot of the information that's on the slides that you'll see on the screen uh, is in that. You can follow along and take notes if you'd like to do that. Whereas I always say, if you want to do it the old-fashioned way, you can just use a pencil, a pen, write in your Bible, take notes. We pray that you will learn something today that will encourage you, challenge you, and help you to grow in your faith in Christ. So Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, this is another name for the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Now again, this is Simon Peter. Oftentimes in the Bible, they had a couple of names that they would go by. So many people today, we refer to him as Peter. His Hebrew name was Simon. So you'll hear me refer to him as Simon or Peter or Simon Peter, but it's the same guy. So Jesus sees these boats and one of them happened to be belonging to Simon Peter. So he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down in the boat and he taught the people. So first of all, we see that Jesus um, asked Peter if he can borrow his boat, basically. And so Peter obliges, gets in, pushes out from the shore because there was such a crowd there. And because of the acoustics and everything, Jesus knew if he got out a little bit away from the shore, the way his voice would reflect off the water and the way just the topography was there, people would be able to hear much better. And he wanted as many people to hear as possible. So he does this. Here's the thing. Simon Peter, as he's listening to, or as he's obeying Jesus and, and letting him borrow his boat, basically, and operating the boat, rowing it out or whatever, he's listening to the teaching of Jesus. So for the first time, he's really begin to, beginning to hear in depth what Jesus has to say. When he, Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Now, maybe you've read that and you, you've always viewed it as some kind of perfect little biblical good. Yes, Master, we'll do. Really, I think there was some edginess here. I think Peter was like, seriously, seriously, Jesus, we're the professionals here. You know, we know what we're doing. We've been out here all night. I know you're the religious teacher, but why don't you just stick to your religious teaching and let us stick to the fishing, okay? I think there was that tone there. I, I don't think this is too much of a stretch. He was being respectful, called him master, but he had to kind of argue with Jesus a little bit. You know, he had to get the little gouge. We've been fishing all night, but because you say so, <laughs> since you know it all, <laughs> we'll do it. So, and, and I think you'll see that I, why I'm saying I think that attitude was there because of what happens next. So they did it. When they had done so, it says, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So now here are all these professionals who know what they're doing and got it all figured out. Now they're scurrying around. They don't know what in the world to do. It's like, whoa, we never expected this. Their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners and the other boats to come along and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. So much for the professionals. 
And because I believe Peter had the wrong attitude and he was kind of arguing with Jesus, like, well, who do you think you are, Jesus? Uh, you know, we got this, we're the professionals, we know what we're doing, why are you telling us what to do? I think he felt really convicted about this. And that's why he responded in the way he did. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. It was his way of saying, man, I, I sure had you pegged wrong, <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I thought I knew what I was doing and obviously I don't. And so he was being very apologetic and he realized that his whole attitude about Jesus had been wrong probably began to realize maybe an attitude about himself had been wrong. Maybe he thought he was all that. Now, before we go on any further, this is just personal application time. What about you? What about you? Are you arguing with God in some way right now? Are you telling Jesus to mind his own business? Now, that church stuff is fine. Keep it on Sunday. Keep it to yourself. I know what I'm doing with my life. You just leave me alone and we'll be good. And Jesus is saying, I got something in mind for you that you had no clue. You just need to learn to obey me. But you see, Jesus was full of grace, and we're gonna see as this continues. So number one, Jesus was full of grace because he blessed them with a great catch, and he was showing them, look, you smart aleck. <laughs> you may have smarted off to me, but I'm gonna bless you anyway, because this is the kind of God I am. I'm full of grace. You do not deserve this. That's what grace is. Grace means undeserved favor, an undeserved gift, something that we actually should deserve the opposite of, and he gives us something so much better. That's what God's grace does for us. And Peter experienced this for the very first time in this way, and it had to do right where he lived and did his work and made his living. For all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And then it goes on, it says that these were Simon's partners, so they were in this fishing business together. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Here again is an amazing thing. Peter falls at Jesus' feet, basically his knees, and he says, I I'm sorry, Jesus, I don't even deserve to be in your presence. Just please go away from me because I'm not worth your time. And Jesus says, hey, man, it's okay, don't be afraid. In fact, from now on, I'm gonna have you join with me and we're gonna catch a whole bunch of people. And Peter's like, what, what? And again, he was astonished at the grace of Jesus. You mean you're not only forgiving me for my wrong attitude and my smart alecky thing, and now you're not only offering me forgiveness and you bless me with this catch, but now you're inviting me to be one of your disciples. I'm having an opportunity to learn from you, this one that just gave us a great catch. So they pulled their boats up to the shore, left everything and followed him. Again, Peter was astonished at this initial grace that he had been given through forgiveness, understanding, a great catch, a great income, but even a greater opportunity to follow and learn from this one that he had so misunderstood right from the beginning. So I've got some questions I want us to think about this morning as we just begin to get into this new year. Put them on the screen for you. First question is, what life circumstance were you in when Jesus first called you? Now, you know, for some of you, maybe it was a long time ago. Maybe you were a child, maybe you were a teenager. For some of you, maybe it wasn't that long ago. Maybe some of you haven't experienced that yet. Maybe today, maybe today is the day 
that he's calling you? And what, what life circumstance are you in? For me, I was, uh, I was a younger teenager. Um, I won't go into the whole story, but I had some circumstances going on in my life. Kind of the last thing I expected was to, to have it driven home to me that Jesus loved me enough to die for me and rise again, and he was offering forgiveness and grace in my life. I struggled with it for a while before I finally received it, but I'm so glad I did. So glad I eventually came to a point where I put my trust in Christ, changed the direction of my life. So the next question is, what have you come to understand about the grace of Christ in your life to this point? Maybe, maybe you gave your heart to Jesus a long time ago. What, are you, what have you come to understand about his grace to this point? And what God wants you to know is as much as you think you've learned about his grace, you still got a lot more to learn. That's why the apostle Peter is encouraging us with all that he learned throughout his life. He is saying, don't ever stop growing in your understanding of this grace that God is giving us through Christ. And don't ever stop growing in learning and your knowledge. The more and more you can learn, not just about Jesus, but to truly know him. And then the third question I want you to consider today, I believe God is asking us to consider today, is are you arguing with God in some way? And when I ask that question, it's not like literally you're shaking your fist at him and you're arguing, but what doubts are you having about God, about scripture, about Jesus? What are the, the things that you're struggling with right now? Maybe you're having a hard time believing, just kind of like Peter, like seriously, Jesus, I got this, I know what I'm doing. Who are you to tell me what to do? And maybe you're arguing with God in some way. Maybe it's about something you're doing in your life or something you wanna do or whatever. I believe God's spirit will show that to you even in these moments today. So consider these questions. Now we go on, Peter, that was the beginning of his learning about God's grace, but he continued to learn about the grace of God in so many ways. He began to learn about the grace of God and how he works through his family. So in Luke chapter four, verses 38 through 40, we see where he learned about the grace and the power of Christ when Peter's mother-in-law was sick and they had come to the home there and she was sick with a fever and Jesus just touched her and healed her or spoke the word and healed her. The point is he healed her, her fever left her. And she got up and she felt well enough to begin to serve them out of appreciation. She, she was amazed. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> That's awesome. You, you've given me health and healing back. Now I wanna, I wanna do something for you. So Peter learned a lot about the grace of Christ in the way that he cared for his family members. Then he even learned more about the grace of Christ in the way that he dealt with his enemies. And in fact, it's in Luke chapter 22, much further on now in the life of Peter, but Luke chapter 22, verses 49 through 51, when Jesus had asked Peter, James, and John to go to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray with him, and the Roman soldiers came to arrest Jesus, and there was a, a man named, well, one scripture says his name was Malchus, I believe, but the point is he was a servant of the high priest who was an enemy of Jesus. They had come there to the garden to arrest Jesus. And Peter, wanting to protect Jesus, he had a sword. He pulls out his sword and he's like, I'll show you how to deal with the enemies. And he swings his sword at this high priest servant. And I don't believe that he was just really accurate with the sword and he just wanted to slice the guy's ear off. I believe he pulled that sword out and he, so he was wanting to chop his head off with it. 
And the guy probably ducked, did something like that. The sword just missed, whoosh, whacked his ear. Now, I don't know if it completely cut his ear off and it fell on the ground or if he cut his ear and it was so bad it was sliced and it was hanging there. How's that for a mental image? That'll be one thing you'll remember today. Everybody just go around and do this. <laughs> but anyway, the ear was hanging there. It was bleeding. And Peter's like, yeah. And, and he learned about the grace of Jesus. Jesus says, Peter, put away your sword. And he goes to his enemy, the one who's there helping arrest him, and heals his ear and the wound in his head. Oh, my gosh. Grace total undeserved favor, the very guy that was coming to arrest him. And he says, I love you anyway, and I'm going to show you my power. You don't see it now. Um, and he healed his ear. I've often wondered, you know, how that impacted that guy. We don't, we have no record of it in scripture because the point is God wants to teach you and I that even when we hate him, even when we're opposed to him, he still loves us. That's the amazing thing about his grace. And that's why we need to keep growing and our understanding of grace. That's why Peter wrote to us and said, don't ever stop trying to grow and grasp your understanding of this great grace you and I have been given in Christ Jesus. And keep growing in your understanding of who he is, your knowledge of him. And see, that wasn't even the end of the story because we know what comes next. If you've read the scripture, if you've heard sermons on this, Peter learned about the extreme, tremendous grace of Christ even when he, Peter, as one who had followed him all those years, denied him three times because he was afraid. He was afraid of what was going to happen to him. And after he denied him three, three times, and we see that in Luke chapter 22, verses uh, 54 through 62, then we see that after Christ was crucified, died late in the tomb, and three days later conquered death and came out of the tomb, instead of Jesus wanting to get retribution and payback on Peter, he invited Simon Peter to meet him in Galilee once again there on the shoreline where he had first invited Peter into that grace and they had the great catch. And Peter fixes breakfast for him. Hey, a fish, what else? <laughs> and then says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, of course, says, yes, Lord, I love you. Three times Jesus said to him, then I want you to feed my sheep. I haven't given up on you. I still have a plan for you. That is grace, undeserved favor. Peter totally didn't deserve that. And yet Jesus offered it to him. And Peter was astounded at that. So my question, again, and the question you and I need to consider and think about is, what have you done in your life that's let Jesus down? And you feel ashamed about it. Or you feel like, man, I just, I really blew it. How could God still love me after all this time? And Peter would tell you, you just, you just don't fully understand his grace yet. You gotta keep growing in your understanding of his grace and knowledge because he loves you tremendously. And Peter basically saying, I'm living proof of it. Look at what he did in my life. So when was the last time that you failed in some way and yet you experienced his grace to go on and to receive forgiveness? Church, <laughs> I experience it every day in my life. I experience it on a regular basis. I'd love to, to tell you that I'm just such a great spiritual man that I never have doubts and I got it all together. And every day, you just follow me and I'll show you the way. <laughs> That's a total lie. What I would invite you to do is, as I'm following Jesus, if you wanna join me, 
and let's follow Jesus together. I can, I can live with that. Can you? Because he's so full of grace. And the scripture says in 1 John 1, 9, in fact, just before that, in verse 8, I believe it is, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then 1 John 1, 9 says, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's grace. That is absolute grace and it's given to us through Christ. So it wasn't just Peter that experienced that grace. There's another guy that experienced grace and it was the apostle Paul. He became known as the apostle Paul, but originally he was known as Saul. And he was a persecutor of the church. He hated Christ. He hated Christians. He, th he thought they were a cult. He wanted them eradicated. And so he was approving of the arrest of, Christian, uh, the arrest of Christians and even approving of their death. And yet... He experienced the grace of Christ. Again, undeserved favor, undeserved gifts being given, undeserved joy, all of these things. The Apostle Paul experienced it, and he writes about it to a young man named Timothy, and we have it in the Scriptures, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. I'll read this portion from the English Standard Version. These are Paul's own words. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. Here's, now Paul was saying, look, I was given this mercy and this grace, and, and it's all of God, I didn't deserve it, he gave me this grace because I was acting in ignorance. I, I thought I knew what I was doing, and I realize now I really didn't. But, he, but, but Paul was not saying that, he was not trying to justify that that's why he got the grace, because again, grace is total undeserved favor. He's just telling the truth. For any of you out there listening to this who are atheists, or who are opposed to Christianity, if you're of some other form of religion, and you look at Christianity as a religion, which it can be labeled by some as a religion, but it is not. Again, it's a relationship with Almighty God. It's a gift that he's given us. But if, if you are an atheist or struggling with your faith, I want you to know that he loves you and his grace is offered to you, even though you don't see it right now. And this is what the Apostle Paul was saying. That's where I was. I was a blasphemer, persecutor, insolent opponent of Christ. But then look what he says in verse 14. And the grace of our Lord Jesus overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. There again, he said, I got that grace. It was undeserved. There's something else he said. He said, I received mercy. So here's something about grace. There are some aspects of grace that we all live in, and we really don't have any say in it. We just are in it. But what God wants us to do is to fully understand it and then receive it so we can get the full measure of it and appreciate the full measure of it. This is a silly illustration, but here's what I'm gonna say to you right now. You see, there's common grace that we all live in, and the Apostle Paul talks about it. I'll read about it here in a moment. There's a common grace that God gives to everybody, whether we believe in him or not. It's the common things that we experience like air to breathe, water to drink, food to eat, food, shelter, clothing, the use of our five senses. So right now, 
we are experiencing the grace of God. Now, some of you might say, well, how do, we know, how do you know it's the grace of God? Well, here, I'm just gonna give you a little philosophical argument because this is my life. Welcome to my crazy world. But for those of you that think, well, of course, of course I can live and move and breathe and of course I have air to breathe and water because that's, that's the way it is. Okay, just stop right there, Mr. and Mrs. Smarty, whatever. Who said that that's the rules of life? Who's to say that you shouldn't have been born into this world absolutely in pain and misery and suffering with absolute darkness and nothing at all good in the world? I'm, come on, bring it. I'm serious. Give me a logical argument of why we should expect anything good. In fact, when you read the scriptures, it says that's the way the beginning of the world was. It was darkness and void and nasty and ugly and chaotic. And then God stepped in and he did something good. And he said it was good because it's of his grace and of his love. And that's why you and I can experience anything good, even in the midst of your suffering, your pain, your agony, the things that you argue with God and say, well, God, if you really love me, why are you allowing this to happen in my life? And he's looking at you and going, because I love you, yeah, that's happening, but I'm also giving you this and this and this and this and this. Open your eyes. It's grace. It's all of grace. You have no right to any one thing that you experience right now. And again, I'm giving you a real philosophical argument, and I just say to anybody, bring it on. Because it's an argument that stands on its own. And that's the argument that the scripture makes. There is no reason that we should expect any good thing in life, so the fact that we get some blessings, guess what? It's grace. Now, here's a silly illustration of that. Each of you right now are experiencing the grace of breathing. So come on, I dare you. Hold your breath. Reject that grace. Come on, reject it. I'm not seeing any takers so far. Come on, brave. if you're brave enough, we'll wait. I'll give you about two, three minutes if you can go that long before you pass out. And then guess what's gonna happen? We have some physicians here if I understand there's some autonomic reflexes and stuff that's gonna kick in, you'll start breathing again. <laughs> you'll start breathing again because it's God's grace. You get what I'm saying? God gives you grace. Whether you realize it or not, what he wants you to do is to begin to realize it and appreciate it, receive it, and walk in it. And then you'll get the full use, the full blessing of it. This is why Peter says keep growing and the grace of Jesus Christ, stop taking it for granted. And Paul says the same thing. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Paul's saying, I'm the guy that was putting people to death and approving of their death because they were followers of Jesus. And this Jesus has forgiven me. And he's not only forgiven me, he's called me now to be a follower and he wants me to share the good news of Jesus. And he says, I received, here it is, I received mercy for this reason that in me the foremost, meaning the foremost of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. What Paul is saying there is, you all, if, if Jesus did this for me, he will do it for anybody because I was vehemently opposed against him and yet his grace is greater than my sin. And so I finally 
surrendered to it and received it. And he concludes that little section by saying, to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, to be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. So I said that the apostle Paul talks about God's common grace, and again, he liked to debate people. And so he'd get in those philosophical circles, and on Mars Hill in Athens, he was debating some philosophers of the day about this whole thing. And in effect, Paul was saying, bring it. Come on, you philosophers. Acts chapter 17, verse 24, his words are recorded and go on. He is saying this to the people gathered there. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made the nation of people that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. It's grace. I didn't ask to be born, neither did you, but we're here. I didn't ask to be born an American. I didn't ask to be born white. I didn't ask to be born male, but I was born. It's grace. It's what he gives but he wants us to learn to then walk in that grace with who we are and where he's placed it, placed us because he's done it for a reason, but it's not for selfish reasons. It's to glorify him and to understand our relationship with him. Paul says this in verse 27, God did this so that people would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, that he's not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. So God creates, it gives us this common general grace, even to those who reject him and deny him. But here's how Paul goes on. He says there's this common grace, but then there's, a, there's an additional grace. It's all wound in together, but there's this saving grace that does something specific for us and amazing for us, and it's through Christ. So he goes on, and we'll jump down to verse 29. Paul says, therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone. He's saying, hey, we live and move and breathe. We're not made of stone. And since we're his offspring, then he is living. He's not made of stone or some statue or an idol or anything like that, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. You see, God in his plan gives us this general grace, but there was a point in history where he said, okay, everybody, I'm gonna make it real clear right now. I'm going to come and visit you. I'm going to become one of you. I'm going to be part of creation that I made. I'm gonna walk among you. I'm gonna demonstrate my power. I'm gonna show my love for you and that I'm going to take the curse of death upon myself. I'm gonna die on a cross and I'm gonna conquer that curse. I'm gonna conquer death. And then I'm going to spend time with you. I'm gonna ascend into heaven. I'm gonna send my spirit to indwell you so that you can experience my grace beyond just the common grace, but the grace of being in a relationship with me forever and ever and ever. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all people by raising him from the dead. Paul says, Jesus is the one that brings God's grace to the full, this saving grace through the person and work of Jesus. The common grace that you and I are all experiencing now is temporary. We don't deserve it, so God could take it away anytime he wanted, but because he loves us, he's offering that grace, but the common grace is temporary. There's coming a day when that's all gonna end because judgment's gonna come. 
And we are going to get what we deserve if we're outside of Christ. But if you respond to saving grace, which we don't deserve, through Christ, you, you put your trust and faith in Christ, you believe he is the son of God, that he died for your sins personally, not just for everybody else. You receive him into your life. You ask him to help you to live for him and you begin uh, to take a new journey in life following him, not working for your salvation, it's a gift, but just learning to follow him and honor him with your life. Now you're responding appropriately to that saving grace and that's for all eternity. It never, ever ends. The Apostle Paul says this to Timothy. He writes in 1 Timothy 2, 5, for there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There's not 20 ways to heaven. There's not 50 legitimate religions. It doesn't, they're not saying it doesn't matter what you believe. As long as you believe, you're gonna get there. No, the Bible makes it very clear. There is one way. God's making this simple. You just need to make up your mind whether you're gonna believe it and obey it or reject it. There's one way to be saved and experience saving grace and it's through Christ and there is no other. There's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. And when I say men, I'm talking about men and women, people. There's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And this saving grace results in restoration with God. That's why the scripture says in Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that brings salvation See that? Let that soak into your head and into your soul. The undeserved favor of God when it comes to forgiveness and grace and an eternal relationship with him, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all people. Well, how do we get that grace? Romans 6, 23 tells us, the wages of sin is death, but the gift, gift. You can't work for a gift. If you work for it, it's not a gift anymore. You've earned it gift of God. You don't deserve it. It's grace. He's saying, here it is. Receive it. Gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's one way. Grace is not an excuse to keep sinning. The scripture says in Romans 5.20, the apostle Paul writes about this, that God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. In fact, he kind of says that when God gave his word and the 10 commandments, it kind of made us to even desire more to do things we shouldn't, want, we shouldn't want to do. So like if I tell you right now, okay, don't look up front. <laughs> Every, everybody look down at the floor. You bunch of disobedient people. Because <laughs> yeah, our, our nature is, I'm not gonna do what you tell me to do, or if you tell me not to do that, I'm gonna do it. That's kind of how this whole thing works. And, and God knowing us, that's what it says. That he, he gave us his laws and the 10 commandments, and there was so much more than the 10 commandments. He gave us all those things to make us aware of our rebellious nature and how sinful we really are so that we could become aware of it. And then when we're aware of that, then we can begin to become aware of our need for his grace and his forgiveness. God really does have a purpose in everything he does. And it's not for our harm. It's to bring us into a relationship with him. But he wants, he does not want to force us into that relationship. He designed us and he wants us to willingly receive it. So Paul says, um, as, as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant. Whereas as one translation says, where sin abound, grace abounded even more. 
And then Paul goes on and he says in Romans 6, well, what shall we say then? Hey, this is awesome. We'll just keep sinning because God's grace is greater and his grace will keep abounding. So we're doing God's will by sinning. Yay! And Paul says, stop that nonsense. Certainly not. That is not what God is saying. Grace is undeserved. He wants you to receive it. You don't deserve it, but he wants you to learn then to walk in it and it changes your life. So we have many other scriptures. Here's one, 2 Corinthians 5.15. Christ died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's really the story of my life. I came to realize the grace of Christ in my life at an early age. I did grow up hearing about it. Um, but, you know, again, like everybody else, kind of rejected it, wasn't sure, thought about it, whatever. Um, had other things in my life that I thought were more important. And then I came to that moment where I realized that I was lost uh, eternally and separated from God. And I needed, I needed to receive his saving grace in my life. And I did that. I made that decision. And it really began to change the trajectory of my life from that point forward. And, and really today, and I'm not saying this because I'm super spiritual, not at all. But I'm saying this as a, as a truth to you. I still today am trying to learn to live that out. I love my wife. I love my kids. I, I, I like having stuff. I like having a home to live in. I like having decent vehicles to drive. You know, the stuff that everybody likes, the stuff of this world. It's nice to have that. I don't live for that. I'm living for the one who died for me. Jesus died for me and he rose again. And so the priority of my life is to wanna live for him. And I don't do it perfectly. And I didn't become a pastor because I wanted to live for him. Some of you heard me, you've heard me share that there was time in my life where I prayed and I said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just please don't make me be a pastor. But because my desire was to want to live for him and in his grace, he works in our lives and he guides us through things. So maybe you're arguing with God right now. But do you really believe that Jesus died for you and rose again? Then be serious about wanting to live for him. It's okay to take care of your loved ones and, and all that, but preeminently let the desire of your heart, if you're really growing in the grace of Christ and the knowledge of Christ, how could you not want to devote your life to honoring him? in response. That's what Peter is trying to say to us. That's what the Apostle Paul is teaching us in the scriptures. It's, I'm not talking about working for your salvation. We cannot earn our salvation. It is a gift. I've said that over and over. You heard me say it today. It's grace. It's undeserved. When we receive that grace out of appreciation, we begin then to want to respond, to say thank you, Jesus, with how we live and honor him with our life. And some other definitions for that word charis that's translated uh, from the Greek in, into the English grace, that which offers joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, goodwill, loving kindness, favor. Here's a technical definition. The merciful kindness by which God exerting his holy influence upon souls turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of Christian virtues. That's a mouthful. But what it, what basically what it boils down to is a proper response to God's grace. We're choosing in return to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for giving me what I don't deserve and I wanna honor you. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says this, It is by grace you have been saved, undeserved favor. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. The way that I look at this is understanding it is that even the faith that you and I have to put our, to believe in Jesus, we can't even claim credit for that because God's the one that put that little measure of faith inside of you, just like he put muscles in our body that we can exercise. We can't take credit for our muscles. We just use them. Well, God puts a measure of faith inside every single one of us uh, when we're conceived in the womb so that I believe that when we're born and we begin to hear about Christ, we can exercise that faith and receive his grace and be saved. And so we can't take credit for any of it. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. There it is. Nobody can say, I deserve to go to heaven, or why didn't I get in? For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's our response. God loves you. He's offering grace. You can't earn salvation. He offers it as a gift. When you receive that gift, it's yours. Now he wants you to begin to do the work that he designed you to do, again, by his grace. So I'm gonna wrap it up this morning just real quickly with finishing up about how do we grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ as our savior. And I'm gonna conclude it with one other writing that Peter made. There's, there's more in the Bible app notes. You can just ignore that for now. That'll probably be another sermon another day. But what does it mean to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ? This is so important to get. It's not just learning facts about Jesus. It's getting to know Jesus. And the difference between learning facts about somebody and getting to know them is spending time with them and being in relationship with them. How do you get in relationship with Christ? I can't explain it. It's a mystical thing. You just have to open your heart and receive him as savior and say yes. And it's a work of the spirit that his spirit does in your spirit. And that's why it's described, Jesus referred to it as being born again, being born from above. It's a work that the Holy Spirit does in your soul and in your spirit. Just like you didn't work to be born into this world, your mom did all the work. Your dad started the process, but your mom did all the work. And you were born well, it's the same way with salvation. God started the process. Jesus brought it all to completion through his life, death, and resurrection. Now you gotta learn to live in it. It's a mystical thing that happens in your soul and your spirit. So I can't teach you how to do it. I can just tell you. And then I, I pray that his spirit will do a work in your mind right now and your soul that you'll open and receive it. But once he does that work, you know it. Amen, can I get an amen? How many of you here have experienced that born again? Can I see? Okay, we got a few of you. All right, good. So we need to keep learning to grow in this grace and knowledge. So there's a difference between just coming to church on Sunday, hearing a sermon like this, learning some facts about Jesus and truly knowing him. And the way that you truly know him is to do what Peter did when Jesus said, hey, Peter, can I get in your boat and can you push off from the shore and I'm in the boat with you? And Peter, sure. Jesus is in the boat with Peter. Jesus wants to come into your life. He's saying, can I come into your life right now? And will you push off from the shore a little bit? And then you might argue with God. You might listen to his teaching, but you're getting to know him. And then he tells you to do something crazy after you've worked and worked. And he says, let down your nets for a catch. And you're like, seriously, Jesus, I've got this. I know what I'm doing with my life. And Jesus said, just trust me. And if you obey him, 
You begin to experience his grace even more, and he blesses it. He gives you a great catch. I don't know what the great catch will be in your life, but it'll be some kind of a blessing that we can't put monetary value on, but there's definitely spiritual value. Maybe you can put monetary value on it. I don't know, but that's not the point. The point is he wants to bless you, but you gotta be willing to obey. So we, know, we get to know Jesus by obeying and putting into practice his teaching and spending time with him. So here it is. Second Peter chapter one, verse one through 12, wrapping this up. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. That word knowledge translated out of the original Greek text into English not only means a general intelligence and understanding, but it also means a deeper and enlarged and advanced knowledge of the things of God's revelation because you're experiencing it in your life. It includes moral wisdom and uh, right living as a follower of Jesus because you're beginning to put his word into practice and you see how it makes sense. Now, Peter goes on here in verse four and he says, through these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, listen to this, don't miss this, you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You can live a different life. You can live a different life. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. The word of God tells you, Peter tells you, he experienced that you can experience the divine nature working in your nature so that you can live a godly lifestyle. The devil constantly wants to deceive you and hold you back and tell you you can't. And Jesus is shaking his head and saying, yes, you can. Yes, you can believe, trust me. Put what I say into practice. Stop listening to the world. And listen to me for a change. And not only listen, but why don't you try doing what I've told you to do? Then you'll begin to experience my grace in amazing and new ways. And you'll begin to know me in ways that you never knew me before. That's why Peter ends his letter. The last letter that he wrote. He maybe wrote other letters. We don't know. But the last one we have from Peter that's in the New Testament for us. He ends with these instructions. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because you do not know it all yet. For this very reason, Peter says, make every effort to add to your faith. Wait a second. You mean I have to put effort into my Christian faith? You mean I can't just come on Sunday and listen to a sermon and, oh, Mark's going over a few minutes. Uh, well, chalk that up. You mean I have to actually put some effort into this? Like when I walk out of here today, I have to think about what he said and put it into practice and I, think I have to think about what you said, Jesus, and actually do it? I'm not saying it. Peter said it. Because that's how he grew in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. So let's listen to what Peter says. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. There it is, that deeper understanding by putting it into practice. And to knowledge, self-control. What? I can't do whatever I want to do? I can't just do what feels good? Nope. Not if you're going to know Jesus in a deeper level and experience his grace. 
you got to exert some self-control and you got to persevere, perseverance, and then to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing nature, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. You want to grow in the knowledge of Jesus, you got to put what he says into practice, spend time sensitizing your spirit to his spirit, listening to his teaching, asking him for help and strength and guidance moment by moment, day by day. And if you'll do that, you're not going to be ineffective in your Christian life and you won't be unproductive. I can't think of a better resolution for the church of Jesus and for Porterfield in 2020 than this. We need to keep growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Peter goes on and he says, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Peter's speaking this out of personal experience because he went through a time when he denied Jesus, all that. He's speaking out of personal experience. He's saying this about himself. You know, there was a time when I just didn't get it, but I'm starting to get it now, and I'm encouraging you. You gotta put some effort into this as you receive this grace, learn to walk in it, learn to know Jesus. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. (laughs) And then I love this. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. This kind of gives me the willies because right now Peter is reminding us through this little short bald guy up on a platform. (laughs) But it's God's spirit speaking through Peter and speaking through me and like he'll do for any single one of us. Isn't that cool? Peter is still reminding us today. Hey, I know you know this stuff, but you still don't really fully understand it, so I'm not gonna let you forget it. I'm gonna remind you. That's why I believe that today is what the Lord wanted for you and I to hear. I don't know about you, but it's what I needed to hear. And when I started praying this week about, Lord, how did, what, do you want, what do you want to say to us and through us? This is what he spoke to my spirit, so I'm just passing it along to you. I, I never make resolutions. Well, I used to, and I quit because I could never keep them. <laughs> so I, I made no resolutions for 2020 until I read this. And I was like, okay, Peter. Okay, Jesus. That's a good resolution. So my resolution for 2020 is I want to keep growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. How about you? Do you want to join me in that journey? I believe it would be a great resolution for Porterfield Baptist Church and really be a great resolution for, for every church in Jesus Christ. So would you join us? Let's stand and we'll close out our time for prayer. Thank you so much for listening today. And I just am so grateful to Christ for his word and and for Peter um, who teaches us. Heavenly Father, as we conclude this time now, I pray that you'll use this message to challenge and inspire and encourage us to not grow weary in well-doing, to not grow weary in our faith, but to keep looking for the things we haven't yet fully understood. And if there's anyone here today, Lord, or listening to this message that hasn't yet opened up their life to to the grace that you're offering them, just help them now by your grace to realize it through the work of your Holy Spirit. Help them to let go of their unbelief and help them to embrace you, Jesus, 
and to experience the saving grace that only you can. Just by praying a simple prayer, Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner, just like Peter. I, I don't deserve to be in your presence. Go away, I'm a sinful man. And yet, Jesus, I don't want you to go away because I need you, so please forgive me. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and help me to, to learn to love you and to follow you and to know you and to understand your grace and experience it in new ways. And thank you, Jesus, for calling me to follow you and to become your disciple, your student. Thank you for the things we're gonna learn this year as your church as we continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of you in your name, amen. Well, we were practicing this song last night and I was telling Devin, I'm like, there's a line in this song that just wrecks me. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. And just, oh. And then how much it plays into today reckless love of God, which is beyond, I, I kind of, you have a hard time thinking about God as being reckless, but I think of it as going further than what makes sense, and what would make sense about loving us, but he does, amen, by his grace, before I spoke a word, you were singing so good to me before I took a breath you breathed your life in me you have been so so
no shadow you won't light up Doubts that you won't climb up 